Who's still in the funeral march? Did Johnny Bananas trust the most? If you aren't living and breathing the traders, then we just can't be friends. I ordered this hoodie dress like two months ago on Amazon. It was probably actually like a week ago, but feels like forever if it's anything more than right now when I order on Amazon. But it's giving major trader vibes and I am loving it for today's episode. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Bravo and Blaze with Jenny Blaze. We are talking about the traders streaming on Peacock, which is the number one streaming unscripted show in the US. And not to brag, but I think I did that. The way I've been so hyped over the traders this season is beyond the passion I had for Scannable. And I think it's healthier too. I'm even feeling sexy with my new trader's garb. Oh my gosh, I love it. Speaking of trader's garb, make sure you check out Larsa Pippen's reunion look for the Real Housewives of Miami reunion for season six. I look at Marcus and Larsa as faithfuls before I see them as Bravo Lebs. This is a review of season two, episode seven, Blood on Their Hands, and there will be spoilers. This review is intended for anyone looking for thoughts after watching the latest episode with a mix of additional media coverage from ancillary podcasts and social media. Just as a disclaimer, this is for entertainment purposes only. We do not condone toxic behavior of any kind, so just be cool. Don't be all like uncool. For our weekly updates, before I walk through the episode, I'm going to go through all the media activity that's taken place since the last episode. First, we had our interview with Dan Giesling last week. I had about three minutes to prepare, and I've completely spiraled ever since. I went into that interview as me, like I normally would. I wasn't playing a game or anything. Afterwards, I'm thinking, holy shit. Did I just get played? He got me to feel comfortable with him enough to tell him that I have three daughters. Like, what was I thinking? I've been racking my brain trying to figure out how Dan Giesling is going to murder me or torture me with any of the information I have revealed to him. Please don't do anything to me. We had two podcast episodes to catch up on this week. First, we had Tamara Judge. With her Talking Traders podcast, she had Janelle and Siri on this week. We also had Johnny Bananas, Death Taxes and Bananas. He had Bergie on as his guest. So I'll walk through those. On Tamara's episode, I didn't know. So she had Siri and Janelle. Again, Janelle is like basically a co-host at this point. But Siri won the Traders US season one. And I didn't know. I still didn't know anything about Siri except for the traders. So what I found out was Tamara met Siri at the Variety's 40 Most Powerful Women in Reality TV party. And I like don't know what that means. Like, what does it mean to be one of the most powerful women in reality TV? I would like to know. Um, but other things I didn't know about Siri, she's known as the most iconic player in Survivor history 
yet has never won Survivor. She's known for her strategic gameplay and social skills. She's a legend in competitive reality world. She co-won Snake in the Grass. I guess that's another show that I just learned about. She co-won with Janelle and Rachel, who was on the Traders season one. And get this, she was known as a woman who got off the couch. Siri was a fan and watched all these shows and then just decided to go go play the game. She said she showed up to Survivor like as if she was getting off a cruise ship or something, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense to me if she watched all the shows. But anyways, um, they also mentioned that they were all going to New York City at the time of their recording. It was last week. So they meant this week. And that did happen. At first, people were guessing that it was for the reunion filming, but I thought it was too early for that. So I guess press, but I just like needed it to be confirmed and it was bothering me so much, but no one would confirm it for me. And I'm not going to lie. I feel betrayed. So as they're covering tr the Trader season two, episode six, Janelle and Siri both thought Dan should have thrown Parvati under the bus. And we talked about that specifically, Dan and I, in our interview. So make sure you go check that out. I also had this idea as I was listening to this podcast, what if winners like Siri, what if she became a host and then started another franchise of the traders so we could get more traders? And then I was like, oh my gosh, if we keep doing that, like, we'll be recruiting all these people. And it's like basically an ML. <laughs> <sighs> let's not why don't we just make a pyramid scheme just kidding obviously let's not do that but I think it's a good idea and it doesn't have to be every winner but like if you are a winner you get a chance to try out to be a host maybe someday so Siri's talking about Peter you know being seduced I love when they say seduced <laughs> Siri talks about how Peter should accept being a traitor. And in that moment, like after I watched the episode, I was like, I'm not sure what he's going to do. But when she said that, I was thinking right then and there, Peter's definitely not going to accept. I had, like I said, some doubts, but I just knew that he would not be able to handle it psychologically and emotionally. Like maybe a woman probably could have done it. <laughs> but that's why I think they should have recruited Trishel or CT. CT is not a woman, but I think he has a higher emotional IQ than most men, I think. <laughs> one behind the scenes tidbit that they mention: the season two cast, the one that we're watching now, they never got to go on the Harry Potter train like the season one cast. And I think that's so funny because when you start the Traders UK, that's like, a big part of their the beginning of their show but my biggest takeaways okay I've been on this roller coaster with Janelle didn't like her then liked her now I'm starting to not like her as much because I feel like she is obsessed with the concept of people being labeled as gamers and I don't know why but I find this to be offensive I think it's rude like who is she to label someone as a gamer or not? Just because they're a housewife doesn't mean 
they aren't a gamer. I just, that label feels heavy to me. And not because anyone who is not a gamer thinks it's heavy, but because the gamers themselves, I feel like they put a lot of weight on that title. So we could probably dive deeper into this whole gamer mindset on another episode. But another thing I didn't know, Siri has her own podcast and I bet it's hilarious because the way she was dogging Dan's game on Tamara's episode was hilarious. She's like, you've been watching Phaedra since day one? Oh my God, it was so good. I loved it. Let's move on to Johnny Bananas, Death Taxes and Bananas podcast with Bugalicious as his guest. One, I never knew who Bergie was before the traders, but he obviously, from watching the show, he seems like he has a very pure heart and is not a manipulative type of person. Side note, I did a review on House of Villains, which I loved. And I think Johnny Bananas may have almost won that. Like, I can't even really remember him on the show. I had to go back to my old reviews to see what I said about him. And it wasn't much. And then I was like, was he even, what? I don't remember him, but I think he made it to almost the end. He was like in second place. <gasps> oh my gosh. But anyways, he was the first one to get out of this season of The Traders. Yet I feel like I've gotten to know Johnny Bananas the most from this show because of his podcast and his social media activity. And I'm not sure if I like him or not, but I will tell you why. So one, Johnny is trashing Dirty Dan Giesling. And I find that to be hilarious because I like to be facetious and like overdramatic and, you know, like pretend you know, bicker with Dan. I don't know. Maybe Dan really hates me. He's plotting my death right now. But I think it's funny when John Johnny is, you know, kind of like play fighting with him. And it was just too funny because he compares Dan to Goliath at first, but then he goes, turns out he's actually just a terrified little boy. And on social media, when they were all in the city together, they took a group picture Johnny posted it, put a poop sticker over Dan's face in the group picture. <laughs> Another thing that I took away from this podcast episode about Johnny is that he said his strategy was to not watch the show. And this might be the most awful strategy I've ever heard. It's as bad as Jax's strategy going into House of Villains if not worse. One thing Bananas wanted to make sure that we knew that he pointed out is that he was the last one to stay with Bergie to untie him in the first mission. So keep that in mind, I guess, for whatever reason. This is why he should have watched the show because he would have known that he should have went for the shield immediately. Big mistake, dude. Now I know why Bergie is so, so precious. He was talking about when he won that shield during that bird mission. And he was like, they were telling him, you know, don't tell any, don't tell anyone you got the shield. And he goes, I don't keep secrets. And that was just so endearing and sweet and made me really, really love him. Well, then Johnny starts talking, right? Because Bergie, he started his reality TV 
path, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, his reality TV career on Love Island, which I don't watch. And apparently Bergie, I, I don't know anything about this game, but apparently you get picked or you get paired up and whoever his match was for the first round, she didn't want to be matched with him. So he was supposed to go home, but then, but then somehow wound up with two girls instead. And I don't know, it's a weird story. Go listen to the podcast. So this is where Johnny starts talking about love and dating and romance. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy. Because we don't like F boys around here, right? And I think Johnny Bananas kind of told on himself. First, he goes, he makes an announcement like, ladies out there, if there was ever any doubt that chivalry is dead or not, it is not. Chivalry is alive and well. Dot, dot, dot. In my man, Bergalicious. <laughs> He's telling us something. I'll translate everything. He then goes on to say, in this day and age, we presently live in with the ease of access of human beings. You have instant global connection to people. The ease of access to people and partners is, it makes it difficult to have a good relationship. There's too much temptation and it's hard to be in the state of mind that you are in, Bergie. But you, Bergie, give hope to guys like me, giant bananas. We may be a dying breed. He's putting himself in the same category as Bergie. But Bergie, and then he points him out, Bergie is an example that we have not gone completely off the rails. You know, read between the lines. He goes on to say, there's always going to be someone hotter. If you're only looking at the external features of someone, you know, you're not you're not going to be happy. You have to find someone you're compatible with. And I just want to say, don't fall for this, ladies. Let me read between the lines and translate for you all. Johnny Bananas is putting Bergie up on a pedestal, which Bergie deserves, while simultaneously Johnny Bananas is trying to compare himself and put him in the same category as Bergie using language that just slightly like puts his toe over the line, but not quite. He implies that he is like Bergie when it comes to dating and romantic relationships, but he leaves very large red flags that he is not. Like I said already, when he said chivalry is alive and well in my man Bergie, he, that's a CYA. I didn't say me, I meant Bergie. That was a disclaimer, okay? Just note that. He's basically telling us that he hooks up with people online all the time and that it's way too easy, but he also leaves a bait for hot women who are lonely enough to try to date Johnny Bananas to think that he's looking for someone he's compatible with. This is a predator trying to trap his prey. Don't fall for it. You're going to wind up in one of those nets like we saw last night. Let's move on. I'm mostly joking. On social media, I see the most action from Johnny Bananas, probably because he's not on the show anymore, but he was tweeting and talking trash about Dan and even tagged Dan. He tweeted, I take solace in the fact that I never had a chance to play. Turns out I wasn't Dan's biggest threat. His insecurities were. Dude got outplayed by a bachelor, Bergie, then ate up by a housewife. That was an abanishment. It was a murder. I love this tweet, but then after rereading it i feel like he 
he's kind of belittling the people he named like oh you got beat by these people like i just i don't like that vibe okay another side story that's going on on social media we have the ct and phaedra love story go check out my feed on instagram to see how i truly manifested this ct and phaedra showmans i saw on decider.com that phaedra said in regards to CT, his soul connected with mine. I almost died when I saw that. I made a reel to the song, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston from the Bodyguard soundtrack. Not long after, CT posted a video of Whitney Houston. I think he's trying to tell us something. Also, I mentioned before in New York City, the cast got together with press. Go subscribe to Zachary Reality's or YouTube because he got 10 interviews with the cast. And I'm, I could not be more jealous in the best way. Season three, Peacock announced season three. I need the dates. I need to know the cast. I need to know everything. But let's move on. Let's get to season two, episode seven of The Traders US. The episode is called Blood on Their Hands. The traders discover whether whether their seduction was successful. Alan has a deadly surprise. Just as a recap, Dan Giesling was banished, and he was a traitor on the last episode. So, yay! <laughs> Faithful's got one. The traders also attempted to seduce Peter so that they could watch him murder his friends, and we left off with Peter having to make that decision. The episode opens in the turret. Phaedra and Parvati find out that Peter refused the seduction. Phaedra's just like, Peter in his confessional goes on to say he cannot betray his friends. He cannot look them in the eyes. And that's very honorable. Although someone in my DMs messaged me and said that Peter was a cheater. If that's true, I don't know if we can root for him. And I... I have to say, after last week, Peter, I was so turned on by Peter last week, but this week, I'm a little flaccid. I will tell you why. Back in the turret, Parvati just acts like a traitor and, and a villain in every way, and I don't understand how she doesn't see that. Like she does need to chill out a little bit. But we go on to breakfast. Bergy and Phaedra are first. Phaedra is nervous. Bergy's commentary is that past Parvati, they don't know who else are traitors and that Parvati is up for banishment next. Next comes in Cherie, Kate, MJ, CT, Parvati. Parvati says she isn't sure if Peter will tell everyone about the recruitment. In my mind, that wasn't even a thought at this point, but I'll get to that. We then have Sandra come in. Peter comes in. He says he's not going to let up on Parvati. But then he doesn't do anything. John, Kevin, and Trishel come in. Everyone is confused. People mention maybe there was a recruitment, but Peter doesn't say anything. Alan walks in. Alan says, they all may be wondering why they have a full complement of players. You may ask, but I will not be answering. You can figure this out on your own. Alan leaves. Parvati asks straight up, so who got recruited? And no one's answering. She goes, we got a new trader in the house. Is it you, Peter? Which feels so obvious, girl. And Peter's just like, we will see. Which 
bad move, Peter. I don't understand why he wouldn't just say it right then and there. Out them all, out them and be like, guys, it's her. If you're a faithful, faithful like Peter, I feel like you should have just outed them. That was your chance. Instead, keeping it in gave them an opportunity to put doubt into people's minds. It's weird. I don't understand that logic at all. Harvard even says she asked everyone to raise their hand if they got the letter. <laughs> nobody, nobody raises her hand. She goes, someone is lying. And like I said, she's just making herself look like a traitor. Peter says he has no plans of revealing the recruitment, see if he can use it later in the game. Again, this is infuriating. It's making him look like a traitor. So then we have side theory time. Peter calls Burry, Trishel, Kevin, and John to the bar. Peter tells them he's going to tell them something shocking. Peter asks who they think got the recruitment letter. They're like, you. And Peter tells them that he's got it and that he's asking for them to trust them. The way he just kicked off this secret meeting didn't sit well for me. Like, why would you lead with that? You're already putting extra doubt into their mind by leading. I would just come out guns blazing. Guys, they recruited me and I said, no, let's get them. Locked and loaded. Bergie's on. He's like, I trust you. John gives a weird smirk, which I think is planted by production um, for more dramatic effect foreshadowing. But Phaedra walks in and Peter asks for a minute. Phaedra goes to the billiard room and tells Sandra, MJ, Kate, Parvati, Shree, and CT about their secret meeting. Another mistake by Peter. If you have a tight group like that, that's great, but you can't, you can't ostracize other people because look what's happening now. The rest of them are becoming a bigger group than his group. <laughs> but during... The secret meeting, Peter's pals. Trishel comes up with a new plan to get out Phaedra first. And I really love Trishel for this moment because this shows her true gaming skills and her ability to strategize. And I love it. I think it's a great idea. MJ approaches Peter's pals like he, she's the Pink Panther or something. And she says flat out she doesn't want to be left out. Peter, again, he's not making it look good for himself. He's like, I promise we'll protect you. I'll promise, like, dude. So then we go to the billiards room where Sandra, Sandra is, I don't know where Sandra is, but she is like kicked into high gear and totally off track. She has two traders in her group, but she's, she wants to play a numbers game because that makes her feel more comfortable, I guess. And she's like, we need to get Peter out. I think he's a traitor. He does more harm than good. She doesn't like the alliance. Again, like I said, you're creating a separate alliance by creating a strong alliance yourself. But Sandra is using the cue balls to discuss strategy, and it's so good. Sandra says they need to banish someone from Peter's group. Harvey starts questioning Peter's behavior, and they all agree to banish Peter at the round table. Dude, you had this if you just said something at breakfast. He put a target on his own back, and it's so frustrating. So my trader's boner is flaccid now. All right, moving on to the mission. Ellen meets everyone in the woods. Currently, they have $95,500 in their prize pot. 
The goal for this mission is to carry gold through the woods without getting caught. If they are successful, they can win up to $25,000 added to the prize pot. The rules are that they have to go in pairs. They also have different denominations of cash in each bag. So they have to determine who will carry what. The denominations go from $500 into like $500 increments up to $10,000. But obviously the increments get bigger than $500. Along their route through the woods, they have to answer questions and pick up scrolls to see if they got the answer right. There are two shields. The pair that makes it through the fastest wins the two shields. So as far as our pairs go, we have Trishel and Peter. We have Phaedra and CT, Kate and MJ, Bergie and Sheree, Harvey and John, and Kevin and Sandra. So Trishel and Peter are like so confident. They pick up the $10,000 bag because they are sure that they are going to get this money. They get the first question. <laughs> and the first question, the trap that they have is this big, it's like a swamp covered in leaves. And Peter just goes in right away. And it's, it is funny because he was, he really thought he was going to win. He thought he was, he was so confident. And then he just goes in. I'm sorry, but if I see leaves like that, I am going to suspect some kind of trap. Like, hello, don't you guys watch Avatar? Or I think I learned this from Willow. Remember? Willow. Oh, that's that's for my OGs. So Trishella is so bummed and she goes on. She gets the third question wrong. So they're out. The third question when Trishelle got out. The trap that was set was a net that literally like pulls them up off the ground. And I think that is so, that's kind of scary. I would maybe pee myself if that happened. <laughs> so Phaedra and CT, we need a moment for them because they are in their bodyguard era. And I am so here for it. Peacock, the traders, Alan Cumming, whoever needs to hear this, somebody send this to casting because. We need potential showmances for the next season. We need more of this. It's giving me life. Fuck Valentine's Day. I don't need any Valentines. All I need is the traders. Oh, after Alan mentioned the $25,000, Phaedra's like, yes, daddy. When Alan said they had to go in pairs, Phaedra, she looks like, oh, Shy at CT, and he looks down like in this really flirty way, and he's like, "How you doing?" I wanted to die. I loved it. I loved it. Oh my gosh, Twitter is living for it too. We love it. We want a castle wedding. We also want them to go on Amazing Race together. <laughs> we also, I have a fan fiction fantasy of CT after the wedding. They obviously have to live together. I'm assuming in Atlanta because I don't know. Maybe they live in two places. I don't even know where CT lives. But then CT enrolls in medical school, becomes Dr. Chris CT Tamborello, MD, who casually grace us on Married to Medicine from time to time. I want this. I want this. 
but they got their first question right together as a pair. The second question they got wrong and CT goes up in the net. Phaedra is terrified. She says being alone is her worst nightmare. She winds up getting caught in a net too. <laughs> it's just, so, I laughed every single time and I'm sorry, but it was, I laughed. It was hilarious. K and MJ, they get the first question right, but then the second question is wrong. MJ's caught in the net. Kate is annoyed that she's not in the net. She's just too funny. I will marry Kate Chastain and raise our children together. Strong females. I would do it. I love her so much. Kate gets the third question wrong. So now Kate's up in the hammock and not the hammock, the net. Bergie and Cherie. Bergie gets out on the first question. He's in the mud, just like Peter did. The second question, Shree gets it wrong. She's caught in the net. Her face, it's <laughs> just too good. Harvey and John, they are just killing it. They go through. Kevin and Sandra are killing it. Killing it. They're the only ones who get through, but they won $8,000, so that was good. As far as the shields, the fastest ones were Kevin and Sandra, and Alan says he has a surprise later. Back at the castle, CT is in this armory room, acting super cute, obviously. Phaedra, Parvati, and Kate are talking about banishing Peter. CT says he's going to vote for Peter, but he's open to hearing from anyone. CT and Peter go into the armory together, and CT tells him, like, your name's up for banishment. And Peter is so caught off guard. Like, Dude, what did you think was going to happen? You should have said something about the recruitment. Peter, we're over. We are never getting back together. So Peter joins Parvati, Phaedra, and Kate and asks to talk to Phaedra and Parvati. Peter, Phaedra, and Parvati go into the armory together. And Peter asks if they want to work together. Phaedra is so flustered. She just like gets up and leaves. She's like, I don't want to be involved in collusion or anything. And Phaedra did the right thing. Parvati and Peter, I don't know what the hell they're doing. It's so weird. Peter, you know that Parvati gave you the letter. You're not saying anything. What is going on? This is like so crazy. But then we see Alan yelling. He's like, play us. And it just felt like a mom calling all her kids. That's how I was like, this is so relatable. Well, he tells them, meet him in the woods in 10 minutes and that there's a deadly outing by the river. I'm like, what the fuck? So in the woods, all the players are standing around a fire. Everyone is anxious. Alan says tonight there will be no roundtable or banishment. Tonight you will have the power to change the course of this entire game. The players will decide who will they save from murder from the traitors. At the end of the night, only five people will be left for the traitors to be murdered. Kevin and Sandra have shields, so they are the ones who start. They have their torches lit in front of them. This is very, like, survivor style. And they get the choice to pick the next person to save, who then gets to pick another person. So this is, like, a chain of events, right? Trishel immediately starts campaigning, asking, like, please, please let me, you know, save me. I have been so anxious. Peter campaign says he's a faithful Kevin and Sandra have a second to have like a private conversation. And they're like, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's go with this. And they, choose, they choose Sheree of all people, which feels like such a cop out. And like, no one is going to murder Sheree. Let's be honest. Like 
you're putting the the whole game in the hands of Shuri. She doesn't even know what game she's playing. Oh my gosh. I'm even Shrey was like, me? <laughs> Her face. So then Sheree gets to pick someone and it's very dramatic. I wonder if production was like, okay, stand there with the torch, do a circle, twirl around, you know, whatever. But then Sheree goes and she lights Phaedra's torch and Phaedra starts to cry. And I started to cry too. I felt very emotional. I was like, I feel where Phaedra is coming from because she feels so like how beautiful of a moment that Cherie would pick her. One, they have a long history together, but also, <laughs> but also Phaedra is a traitor, which is so hilarious to me because obviously Cherie doesn't know how to play this game. And I'm just like crying and laughing like, oh my God, this is wild right now. <laughs> it can't get any more crazy than this, right? But then Phaedra picks CT. She picks her castle, daddy. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh my gosh. So then it's CT's turn. Oh my God. And they have like this really cute moment. He's like, if Phaedra wants to light my torch. Oh my God. I'm living for it. I think side project. I'm going to do a whole montage of Phaedra and CT. Cause I just am so here for their showmance. But CT has to pick next. And Trishel is convinced that he's going to pick her. And CT even says, he's like, friendship or the game, like, it's just a game. I'm going to pick the game. And so he picks John. And Trishel is so gutted. I was, I'm still kind of in shock with how gutted she truly was. Like, this sacrifice activity they're doing sacrifice team building exercise is intense for sure but at the end of the day it's a game and like I just I think I'm the same way as CT where I'd be like I wouldn't expect anyone to pick me over the game like this is a game but CT winds up picking John and John has one person left to save and Trishel's campaigning for herself. Peter's campaigning for himself. John picks Peter. And I just didn't like how Peter started smiling. I haven't gone into this next layer and dynamic of the sociological parts of this game, but I don't love how all the white men are just like, walking around with this entitlement and privilege. That's how it feels, at least. From my shoes, that's my opinion. Sandra mentions, you know, based off of Peter's reaction, I think he may be faithful. <sighs> this is why gamers are gamers are dangerous in this game because they could have potentially voted Peter out and he's a faithful, but now she's starting to get it. So we have Trishel, Bergie, Kate, Parvati, and MJ left as the people who 
can still be murdered by the traitors. They're sacrificed. Trishelle and MJ are so, so hurt by this. Bergie seems a little bummed, but not like too devastated. Kate's like, in the after show, she's like, this is like not getting picked for kickball. <laughs> it's not a big deal. MJ is crushed. Harvey obviously doesn't care because she's a traitor. You're a traitor. Back at the castle, Trishelle is so upset. It makes me cry. <laughs> Second time last night. First time I cried with Phaedra. Second time I'm crying over CT. She said she thought CT was like her brother. It was really heartbreaking. Harvey, girl needs to chill. She like walks in. She's like, hey guys. Like she walks in like she's a traitor. MJ walks in. She's so angry. Phaedra asks if she's okay. And this is where I could see the generational behavior passed down from Vida June down to Mercedes. You could see the strong woman in her who's not afraid to voice how she feels when she's in a vulnerable situation. I still think it's funny, though, that she's so devastated by this. I'm like, I didn't think she would be that upset. CT and Trishelle, though, they have like a deeper history. So that one did sting a little bit. And especially when Trishelle, when they start talking, finally, she's like, you know, if someone had lit my fire, I was going to give it to you. And I like just started crying. <sighs> CT's like, don't take it personal. But then CT doubled down on choosing John. Again, back to this WMS, white man syndrome. I don't like it. Just because John was a politician and he's, I, Trishelle has more game than John. Okay. So annoyed by that. But then we go to the turret, Parvati and Phaedra, they talk about how much of a twist that whole thing was, the sacrifice. Phaedra tells Parvati to stop acting like an ice princess. She said she's either an iron maiden or an ice princess. And Phaedra, I don't know what she's doing in this moment, but it's hilarious. So they go through the four people that are potentials to murder Kate. They say she could be a good traitor to recruit later. I believe that's true. Trishelle. She's part of Peter's pals, so she may be up for elimination or murder. Bergie, he's a Peter's yes man. MJ, MJ is a sweetheart, and she'll never be put up for banishment, so they can't use her as a shield, so maybe they should murder her. Personally, I think what they're going to do is they're going to either murder Bergie or MJ. I think, I like, I feel like I want to say Bergie, that's like my witchy sense because he was live last night on IG. And I just like that's becoming a pattern now with people who get <laughs> kicked off the show. I start talking to them. But I just have this feeling that it's Bergy because I think MJ will be saved another week because of her Bravo connection. I, I'm hoping Phaedra saves her. But I also understand if Phaedra is okay with MJ going because... Yeah, it probably is a good move to get rid of MJ. Actually, not really. Probably getting rid of Trishelle. No, getting rid of Bergie. Bergie or Trishelle would be 
the best option for the traders, I think. Anyways, after, I mean, I didn't even finish the episode, but I am always multitasking and I see Bergie go live on Instagram. So I jump on and he's like, right when I jump on, he goes, oh, I'm going to bring someone on for questions. And I'm like, so I click (laughs) in and right away he accepted. So I'm asking Bergie, one, my number one question is, do you have any tea about CT and Phaedra's showmance? And he said he had no clue during filming. He's just seeing it now happen on the show. And he's very surprised. But he said he had no tea. I asked him about the cruise. Cruise of Deception. You can go to cruiseofdeception.com to get all the information. But there's going to be a week-long cruise where they have Bergie, Janelle. I think Rachel's going to be on there. Ari from last season, Geraldine, Michael, unhinged Normie Michael is going to be there. Who else? Christian. I didn't like him. Bam. He didn't last that long last time. Sandra's going to be there. Okay. So they each get like a hundred people on their team. 80 people will be faithful and 20 will be traders. If you get out, you can still participate in the games if you want, but they're going to have different games throughout this whole cruise and it sounds like fun. Um, I also asked him to beep Mary kill his cast and he looked very scared. I was like, it doesn't have to be a woman. And he's like, right away goes marry Peter and kill bananas because bananas is mad at Dan. <laughs> and I need to know if he, I don't think he's really mad at him. He's, I think he's just talking trash cause that's what he does. I don't know, but he said he would, F nobody. We love our Burgalicious. All right. Also, I'm like, I still have two more things to go through. So watch what happens live. Alan was on watch what happens live. And I'll give you a quick recap. Alan is not a fan of reality TV, um, which is weird being the host of this show. (laughs) Alan says Bravo people are very tribal. He gives an example when Phaedra goes, don't come for the housewives. He said it was very tribal and primal, and I loved it. Alan didn't know who Tamara was, but he did know who Phaedra was. Alan didn't know the name of the show, The Challenge. He was like, I don't even know what that show is. And so he's basically been getting a crash course on reality TV over the last two seasons. And Andy asked, whose game is Alan enjoying the most? Alan responded that Peter's was is the most enjoying. Andy asked, who is Alan most surprised they've lasted as long as they have? I don't think I have to pick just one. Cherie, Kevin, John, MJ Perky. <laughs> Andy asked, whose wardrobe titillates Aunt Alan the most? He's like, titillates? You know, come on. He's like, I want to say titillate, but, uh, you know, raises eyebrows would be Trishel. Another thing Alan said is, the gays are rooting for Phaedra. Queer people are going for Parvati. I need someone to explain that to me. In top five trader moments, or people, I guess, number five for Alan was John Burkow with his, you, my friend, are banished to Dan Giesling. Dirty Dan. Number four was Phaedra Parks. Lord, not I can sue. Michael Davidson was his number three. That is who I call the most unhinged normie. He was so wild. He's the one who told Kate, he threatened Kate while they were running to go dig up one of their team members. So insane. 
Uh, number two is Peppermint. He said she made the best exit. And number one is Kate Chastain, who will make you die with laughter. And I agree. Like, I want to marry Kate. I would love to marry Kate Chastain because I feel like I would die with laughter. And that's how I want to die. I want to die with laughter. Okay. One last thing. The postmortem show, episode five. So nobody was banished, but they still had a postmortem episode on Peacock. They had mostly Kate because she's new and she's talking about how that forest roundup sacrifice never happened before and that she loved stepping in as a new player because she had to stop herself from laughing out loud. She says having a sacrifice on the last episode wasn't great for her because she doesn't have strong bonds like people such as CT and Trishel. She thought that the sacrifice was good to mix things up because alliances are broken. The most shocking thing for her was Cherie picking Phaedra. Her, the thing that was shocking for her was that she was so overtly in allegiance to Phaedra. She's like, do they have a secret alliance within our Bravo alliance? So I, it's just funny to me how people are second guessing everything. <laughs> Phaedra. Phaedra made it very clear that it was not her who wanted to recruit Peter. That was all Parvati. And she thought that it was insane, but she supported Parvati in making the decision to try to save her life. Parvati didn't really have much to say on choosing Peter other than he's clever and it sounded the most fun. And that she knew that Peter is the most sanctimonious of them all, so it would be a good strategy to start questioning Peter about being recruited. And she did a good job. She actually did it. Peter, he just is firm. In no way could he betray. And that's something I think you have to decide before you start playing this game. If you are someone who is willing to betray your fellow faithfuls or your fellow traitors. All right. We're coming to an end, finally. I want to know everyone's predictions. Leave a comment, DM me on Instagram, or leave a comment on a tweet or Instagram post. Also, let me know what you think about live streams versus pre-recorded and edited reviews. Each have their own pros and cons, but the preparation, execution, post-production, and distribution are very different in many ways. So in order to best serve this audience, let me know, please. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts and social media. I'll catch you all next week. Stay lit, Pam.